car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot, and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or how to make money while maintaining a vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. On this week's show, we're going to have Pablo Sarmiento, our resident Master ASC Certified Technician, L1 level. Pablo and I are going to talk about the history of supplemental restraints, and you know these as airbags, those little devices that pop in your face when you're involved in a head-on collision. It's pretty interesting stuff, uh, good trivia. Look forward to talking to Pablo about it. We'd like to thank our first half sponsor, Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 100% associate owned. If you're in need of an engine or a transmission, make sure you ask for Jasper by name as a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. And, of course, that warranty is transferable if you decide to sell your car for a newer or a new vehicle. Always remember that it is cheaper to replace engine or transmission before going out and purchasing a new car because one of them has failed. So ask for Jasper by name. So let's get on with the show and talk to Pablo about supplemental air restraints or airbags. So Pablo, what can you tell us about uh, airbags, uh, safety restraint airbags? Well, airbags, a little touchy subject, but I can tell you this. Uh, let's start by saying that airbags are a supplemental restraint and are designed to work best in combination with safety seat belts. Mm -hmm. uh, both uh, frontal and side impact airbags are designed to deploy in moderate to severe crashes. Um, and airbags uh, reduce the chances that an occupant's upper body or head will strike the vehicle tear during a crash. Okay. But I got to tell you that uh, to avoid uh, airbag-related injuries, uh, always the, the, the driver always should always ensure proper uh, seating position. And, and, and the best thing is for them to read the owner's manual because there's a lot of specific things there um, related to this thing. And what we're talking about, some of these uh, uh, proper procedures, uh, mm -hmm. I got to tell you, one of the things that people really, really forget about seat belts, uh, especially in the front of the vehicle, most modern vehicles at front, uh, the shoulder seat belt, uh -huh. they have an adjustment right on the side pillar. Yes, they do. That you can mm -hmm. just depress this tab and you can move them up and down because not all the drivers have the same height mm -hmm. and, and so on and so on. So people should pay attention to that because half of the people don't even realize that adjustment is there. But uh, continuing with the subject, um, a little history here on the uh, airbags. Safety airbags were invented back on the 5th. Wow. And, uh, but uh, it wasn't until the 70s that we started uh, to see them here in the U.S. Uh, as being put in production and certain vehicles only. Mm -hmm. um, and, well, the fact is that uh, by the 89, all car manufacturers were required to install either an automatic seat belt or at least a driver's 
airbag. Oh, yeah. I remember the automatic seatbelts. Remember that? You'd go to turn the car on, you'd lean in, and it take yeah. your neck off. Yeah. That was, that was terrible. <laughs> that was a terrible idea because uh, in, in most cases, the way I remember it, uh, you, you had to still manually put the lap belt on, mm-hmm. and we know that the the shoulder seat belt alone, uh, it doesn't do it at all. No. Because during a crash, your lower body will tend to slide out of the seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but yeah, anyway, I, I always thought that was odd. Yes. Um, and of course, back on the, it was like 1990 mm-hmm. uh, or early 90s that uh, it became mandatory that all the cars had to have uh, at least the one the one uh, airbag, mm-hmm. and I always thought that was really odd because, you know, my sense of humor. Uh, I always thought, well, why one seat belt? Uh, I mean, one uh, airbag. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. The fact is, I you know, my sense of humor kick in, and I'm going like, maybe they're just uh, worried about the driver because he's the one making the payments on the car or something. <laughs> 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 but. The fact is, by by 1998, uh, by 1998, uh, they they made it mandatory where all the uh, domestic cars here uh, in the state, they, they all well, all the cars sold here in the state, they all had to have. It was mandatory that they would all have the dual uh, uh, bags on, or mm-hmm. as they call them, the uh, the dual frontal uh, airbags at mm-hmm. least, uh, and. And, of course, uh, I was thinking along the same lines. You know, I'm thinking, well, okay, they realize that uh, the co-driver has something to do with the payment, too, so now they put two of them. <laughs> okay, so they were the co-signer? Uh, right. No, my sense of humor. Okay. I'm sorry about that. No, uh, we're, we're getting back in track here. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. So um, how, how do these work? Well, these things, uh, the system has sensors that can determine sudden deceleration. And when there is a moderate to uh, severe crash, Mm -hmm. a signal is sent from the airbag system's electronic control unit to the inflator within the airbag module. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, well, there's this one igniter, and the inflator uh, starts, and and the inflator starts the chemical reaction that uh, produces harmless gases, uh, which inflates the airbag within. And this whole thing happens. It happens so quick. It's within a blink of an eye. In fact, uh, it happens in less than one twentieth of a second. Wow! Uh, yes, and, and the side, uh, the side impact, uh, the side airbags, mm-hmm. uh, they inflate even quicker uh, since they have less space between the occupants and the striking objects such as the interior of the vehicle or another vehicle or a tree or a pole. Okay, all okay. right, you yeah. get the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But because the airbags deploy so rapidly. Uh, serious or sometimes fatal things can occur if the occupant is too close to or is directly in contact with the airbag when it's first deploying. Um, well, so the thing is that sitting as far back from the steering wheel or dashboard as possible mm-hmm. and using seat belts help prevent the occupants from being too close to deploying frontal airbags. Okay. And uh, yeah, right. And up until recently, uh, toxic uh, cornstarch or talcum powder was commonly used to lubricate the airbag fabrics and aid in deployment. Um, really? Yeah, right. But uh, while these lubricants may sometimes appear to uh, be a smoke when released during deployment, they are actually harmless substances. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, oh, right. I never knew that. Uh, right. The, but most of uh, today's uh, airbag fabrics, uh, they have, uh, they're sufficiently slippery that traditionally powder-like lubricants mm-hmm. aren't really necessary anymore. Oh. And, and an exception to that is more like the side airbags. Mm-hmm. Um, they're heavily coated with uh, some of these powders still, and uh, and and well, yeah, and, and so they still use them on those. And if when they deploy, well, you can see what looks like smoke, but it's actually okay. So you get in an accident, and the airbags go off. Then then what happens? Well, the airbag automatically deflates as the gas escapes through vents in the fabric of the airbag. Okay. Um, airbags cannot smother or choke the driver of uh, passengers, mm-hmm. and, and they don't restrict the occupant's movement after the crash. Okay. That whole thing has been very rehearsed, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why they have all these dummy uh, practices and, and data that they put together and so on just to time this thing perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally, the whole process of the airbag inflation and deflation is complete in less than one second. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and now the rollover crashes uh, are longer events than frontal uh, or side impact crashes. So those airbags that are designed to provide rollover protection are also designed to uh, remain inflated longer. Mm. So in essence, those side airbags, they inflate even quicker and they stay inflated longer because they're also designed for the rollover thing mm-hmm. um yeah right hmm. that's interesting wow you know you're talking about that um that cornstarch and all that you know i've heard people complain that it makes their eyes itchy or the throat a little scratchy right 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 uh well yeah 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 uh, yeah, the well, the powdery starch of the talcum uh, substance released when some of the airbags deploy may initially contain small amounts of sodium hydroxide, mm-hmm. and, and that's because the propellant that they use to inflate the bag mixes with with some of these uh, with the lubricants, okay, mm-hmm. with the powder, uh, which may cause temporary minor r- irritation to the occupant's eye or throat. Um, and, of course, other minor injuries to occupants may include abrasions from mm-hmm. contact with the fabric of the airbag. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I, I rather have, I would ha- rather have that than hitting the steering wheel. You oh, know, yeah. little Me minor too. abrasion and so. But uh, um, the airbags, one thing that, is, that should be noted is that the airbags cannot be reused. Once, once they deploy, okay. um, they are useless. You just have to replace them with new ones. Um, and, and to ensure continued protection of the occupants, uh, they, they should be replaced as soon as possible, you know, mm-hmm. and before the car is driven again. The good news is that because they only de- deploy during crashes, okay, okay. Uh, the good thing is that mo- in most cases, your insurance company pays for those. Ah, okay. That's good. They're expensive, too. Oh, yes, very much. So what kind of maintenance? We don't have to do any maintenance on these, do we? Well, let me let me tell you a little bit about this thing. Um, the the electronic control unit or ECU, mm-hmm. uh, as we often call them, uh, and they act like the brain of the airbag system. Uh, and it receives signals from the various sensors, such as crash sensors, and decides if and when each airbag should deploy. Okay. Uh, now the ECU is typically located in the middle of the vehicle or under the seat, mm-hmm. uh, where it's well protected. 
Okay. Um, and then in vehicles equipped with uh, advanced airbag systems, the ECU can also uh, receive inputs additional from additional sensors that detect uh, even occupant weight, uh, seating position, seat belt use, and, and, and seat belt positions, uh, and some so much more of that stuff. You know. Oh yeah. Um, including how fast the car was going, all, all that, you know. Um, but the ECU also performs regular diagnostic checks of the airbag system. And if the ECU identifies a problem, the airbag readiness warning light will illuminate mm-hmm. on the instrument panel. As we already, we all seen that little light when you first turn the, the key on. Right. The system uh, performs that little test to show you that the light is working. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, when the air, um, when the airbag readiness light is illuminated, the airbag system might not perform properly and crash. And that's the reason why it should be fixed as soon as possible. But overall, it is fairly maintenance-free. System. Wow, there's a lot to it, and you know, save our lives and all that. That's right. Well, Pablo, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. And before continuing on with the second half of our show, a big thank you to AC Delco Parts. AC Delco Parts, I put them in my car. I have them in my mom's car. I really know I can rely upon the quality of an AC Delco part. It doesn't matter if you have a foreign or domestic vehicle. AC Delco Parts makes them for all makes and models. I'm putting them in my customers' cars for decades, in my personal cars. I know when I install an AC Delco part that I'm going to have a trouble-free repair in that vehicle. So remember, if you want that same satisfaction, ask for AC Delco parts by name. Let's get on to the second half of our show, and we have our gadget guru with us, Peter Sudak. Hey, Peter, how you doing? Good, Pam. How are you? Good. This week's gadget, I can't wait, because we talked about this before the show. So let's enlighten everyone. No pun intended after you hear what it is. And? What we have is a solar battery maintainer. That's right. And what this item does is basically it plugs into your cigarette lighter. The main part of the unit mounts on the dash. What it does basically trickle charges your battery during the day from the sun. No electricity. It's all solar. That's pretty good. And, you know, we were talking about this before, like we just mentioned. And the reason being, we had a customer that came into the shop recently, and this actually kind of saved their fanny from having to call a road service to get a jump start. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Her battery was getting a little weak, and she's getting... She knew it. She knew it was getting a little weak, but she had one of these little solar battery maintainers, and it actually... Got enough juice in the battery to get her started, and she got over to the shop okay, and got you, got, you got her all fixed up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she left it in for quite a few hours while she was at work. She knew she had an issue. She wanted to push it and wait until she got out of work. Personally, I would have taken care of it as soon as I could, but she waited, and she was relying upon the solar charger. <laughs> Jeez, it worked. I knew they were pretty good, but... Yeah, that's pretty good if it can... It's good testimonial. Yeah, if it can get you to your repair shop after sitting out in the out in the sun for all those hours and actually 
charge up the battery a little bit just enough to get it rolling. Mm. That, that's pretty good. And you don't have to worry about an electrical spike going through the car. That's true. Sun ain't going to do that. Sure is Elect- Electricity in the wall will, but no, nope, sun will just be nice and constant. That's right. It sure will. And those of you out there who are looking to have one of these for a backup, you know, we can't promise you're going to have the same results if you wait too long. Each battery is different. Each make and manufacturer vehicle is different. But it can't hurt for $20. No, not, not at all. For that price, to just have a little peace of mind just for knowing that if you know your battery is getting weak and you just don't have the, quite enough time to get to the shop, and then yeah. it'll help charge it up help and charge it up. just keep it up just enough until so, you can get in there. That's right. And you can get these anywhere. You can get them online. You can get them at the big box stores or at an auto parts store. They're all over the place. I've seen them. Yeah. It's getting more and more popular. So the solar battery charger. That's right. How about that? Amazing. With amazing results. Speaking about amazing results, I have our cheap car care tip of the week. This is something that you can find around the house that you can actually use on your vehicle. It's cheap. It's very effective. And this week, believe it or not, is the magic eraser. You know those magic erasers you find in the kitchen? Yes, from Mr. Clean, I think. That's right. Well, I happen to have some dogs, very large, large dogs, that just love to ride in the shop truck. And of course, they never, ever ride in the back bed, but they ride inside in comfort and in the AC. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's quite a sight. Well, that's one the pla- shotgun, that, one's in the back. That's the place to have them. It's not safe to have them in the back. Better, nope. better in the cab. But one, one rides shotgun, and the other guy rides in the back seat, always in the right rear that's your spot dogs also like to press their nose against the glass yes the infamous puppy nose prints on the window yes it is and unfortunately a lot of the glass cleaners out there are pretty harsh on tint or on the glass you just can't quite get that ghost nose print off no they don't it's like they don't even touch it no it doesn't it just but you know what does that magic eraser I that magic eraser I've I've seen it work myself. It just you just wet it down and come out to the car, wipe down the window, and I'm telling you it'll take those puppy nose prints off in a heartbeat. <laughs> puppy slobbering. It, re- it really no, <laughs> it seriously, work. it really works good. In fact, you know, I recommended this to one of our customers who also uh, lets their dogs ride on the inside of the truck. Where which is where they belong. He was having a hard time removing that, and he asked me what I did. And I said, magic eraser. A couple bucks and uh, paper towel, and you're done. Get them at the grocery store. So that is our cheap car care tip of the week. The magic Mm. eraser to remove puppy nose prints and other difficult items off your glass. I was going to say it's very, very versatile, but especially good for puppy nose prints for you dog lovers out there. (laughs) That's right. Or anything else that may adhere to the glass. Yeah. They'll take it right off. It's it's an amazing product they came up with. Well, I'm ready to give some more advice, and this advice I'm going to give for email writer. It's Ted from Maine, and Ted writes, Dear Pam, how many belts does my car have? I went in for service and they said that I needed my belts replaced, but I thought we only had one belt on the car nowadays. Well, Ted, on 
Unfortunately, you didn't get back to me in time to tell me what maker model you had. So I'm just going to generalize this for everyone out there listening. Vehicles have several belts. Uh, first, we're going to go with the timing belt. Some vehicles have timing belts made out of the rubber composite. And some have timing chains made out of actually a metal chain that kind of resembles a bicycle chain. Yeah. But the timing belt, that needs to be serviced once in a while, depending, again, upon make and manufacture. So uh, get with your ASC Blue Seal shop or your ASC certified technician and ask them if your vehicle qualifies for one of these. Now, if it does and it's time to replace it, they're going to have to remove the drive belts. And you've heard them by V-belt or serpentine belt. And the reason why they call it a serpentine belt is because, yes, it's serpentines around the pulleys in the engine compartment. This, these belts have to come off to replace the timing belt. So that is the perfect time to replace your drive belts That's, at that point. That would be the optimum time because... You're the, just paying yeah, for the belt. Paying for the belt and no extra labor. That's right. That's, yeah, exactly. Now, if you don't happen to have a timing belt but you have a timing chain, you still periodically need to have the belts replaced. And some vehicles have one belt system, the serpentine, and others have a serpentine belt, and they'll have an auxiliary drive belt, for an example, on the air conditioner. That's It'll true. It'll be a much thinner belt, like a little baby version of a serpentine with the ribs. Yeah, it's got its own, own little belt for the AC compressor, and then it's got one big belt. I think I've seen those on some Yukons, I think, or... Mm-hmm. I've seen them on those before, For yeah. For example, yes. There's yeah. on other makes and models as well, but yes. In fact, you know, we just had one in the shop that had three belts on it. Yeah. So, you know, it was a newer version, and that was a foreign car. Some of them... Ask your ASC certified technician what you do have. But to make a long story short here is when is a time to replace the belt? A good rule of thumb on a serpentine belt, that big, tall, windy belt is if you have three cracks in the ribs, you'll see these flat on one side and little ribs on the other side, but if you have three cracks in the ribs within one inch, that's a good indication it's time. Remember these belts aren't like the old-fashioned V-belts that we used to have on our Chevys and our Fords and our Dodges back in the 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s. These belts are much more substantial than they were back then. So they'll go a little bit longer than what we were used to changing them out every 10, 15, 20,000 miles. And remember, the composite and the rubber has improved as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Going to get a longer life out of it. I wish I could help you out further, Ted, but I think this was a good idea that we didn't know which kind of uh, vehicle you had because we just touched base on all types, makes, and models for yeah. everyone else. Basically, I covered it, yeah. So, Ted, I hope that helps out. And that is our email question of the week. Last but not least, we have our trouble service bulletins. And this week we're going to concentrate on the Kia Sportage and Toyotas. Hey, Peter, let's have you take the 2010 Kia Sportage. What's going on with them? Okay, well, what's going on basically is people are using aftermarket cell phone chargers. And what's happening is pieces of the cell phone charger in the little power outlet you got in there, you know, cigarette or power. Oh, I fished uh, many of those out of cigarette yeah. lighters, yeah. 
And what's happening is the pieces are breaking off, causing the circuit to short out, mm-hmm. and it keeps blowing the fuse. Right. So what they basically need to do to correct the condition is instead of buying this cheap thing that says it's made for your cell phone, mm-hmm. what you need to do basically is go to your cell phone provider and get one that's actually made for your cell phone that will fit properly and will not fall apart on you because the other ones are cheaper and you won't have that problem after that. You, you know, that's a good idea for any vehicle all around because I can't tell you how many pieces of cell phone plug I have fished out of cigarette and auxiliary lighters. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I pulled a few out of there too and once in a while you get a penny stuck in there too because they don't put oh, the cover back yeah. over it. Yeah. And I wonder why I keep shorting out. You look down there and, oh, there's a- Abraham Lincoln's doing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you pull him out of there, put a new fuse on it, and it's good as gold. I can't tell you how many of those I've done either. That's true. Yeah, they those pennies fit and dimes fit right in that socket. Yes, they do. So please be careful with that. And that's that's good advice. That's, yeah. that's actually a Kia Sportage trouble yeah. service bullet. And moving on, we're going to talk about Toyota. You know, sometimes in... Your 2009-2010 Toyota, they've had people complaining about they get in the seat and it squeaks. they got a fix for that under their three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. I hope so. Definitely don't want a squeaky seat. No, you don't. That could be very annoying, especially on a long trip. Yes. But the squeaky seat fix is they are installing new tracks, seat oh, tracks. Oh, okay. Like I said, it's covered under your three-year, 36,000-mile warranty with your dealership and then after that you know you can go to your ASE blue seal shop they can fix it as well but that's the seat the squeaky seat syndrome and it's just not in a camry or a corolla it's in all the toyos the highlanders the forerunners you name it they're replacing the tracks wow that's yeah. a lot of cars that's a lot of cars they got a big job if you have a squeaky seat well let's hope not <laughs> <laughs> but if you do i just make sure there's no mice in there first. <laughs> That's right. Or you don't have objects like change. We've seen a lot of change in there. I'll make Yes. Break. Other than the cigarette, cigarette lighters. <laughs> we pull a lot of change out of there. Yes. The change seems to make it everywhere. You've got to designate a spot for it and put it in the your little jar or put it in your pocket or something. Because it finds, change finds itself everywhere. It sure it does. screw up a lot of things. It sure can. And along with the Kia... This Toyota Bulletin will be on the front page of our website. Sounds good. So if you just happen to lose track or you can't write this down quick enough, just look on our front of our website. We'll have all the info for you. God, I don't know where it went. Where'd it go? I don't know. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone until next week, folks. That's right. We're at the end of the Car Care for the Clueless. And, you know, we hope that all of you have learned something this week. little educational trivia little history, some car care tips, and we talked about belts and that neat gadget. That's Pretty a, interesting gadget. Yeah, solar battery charger. That's I still can't get over how that helped that, helped that lady. That's incredible. It worked. Amazing, but it worked. And this is all to help you help yourself become a savvy car care consumer. Until next week, take care. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. You'll find it on our website. Just click on the icon Host Website right in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. See you next week.